Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network, coming to you from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm super excited to be here. This is my pilot recording, so thanks for listening. In addition to being your host, I am the founder and president of Bayer Public Relations, which is a full-service PR, consulting, and marketing agency based in New York City that specializes in culinary and hospitality. Basically, that means I represent a lot of restaurants. So over the years, I've met and worked with many industry professionals who basically have the same restaurant clientele as I do. However, they provide a completely different service. So the inspiration for this show, All in the Industry, is dedicated to those behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. As experienced restaurateurs know, it takes more than great food to be successful. Rather, it's a combination of location, design, ambiance, marketing, and more. In this 14-episode series, I will take you through the process of opening a restaurant by chatting with experienced and dedicated hospitality professionals who each have a unique and invaluable service for restaurants. This is the ideal show for anyone who dreams of opening a restaurant or simply wants to learn more about what it takes to be a restaurateur. Now, before I introduce my first guest, since I am a restaurant publicist, I'm going to tip off the show with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be charitable. I believe that giving back to the community and those in need will not only make a difference in people's lives, but it will be rewarding to you too. There are many amazing culinary-focused organizations that you can get involved in. A few that I've been involved in are Share Strength, City Harvest, City Meals, and the Food Bank of New York. And there's many different ways to get involved, from attending and participating in events to donating an auction item and making a contribution. So I believe that the more you give, the more you will receive. So be charitable. And that is my tie-in to my guest today, who I'm thrilled to have here because we met through the industry and is a good friend of mine. And it is Joe Allegro, the Director of Culinary and Events for Share Our Strength, a national organization working to end childhood hunger in America. So welcome, Joe. Hi. Thank you, Sherry. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. It's great to be here in this very hip section of Brooklyn. Well, so... You came all the way out from Jersey. Now, you've never been to Bushwick. I... No, I've, uh, no, I've never been to Bushwick. I grew up on Long Island, lived in Manhattan for about 15 years, then you know, moved to Jersey where I got the big L on my forehead as the big loser. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't all my... say that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually really nice. And now you know, we, uh, it's a bedroom community. It's a half an hour from Manhattan. So I feel like I really haven't given up my New York roots by moving out to Jersey. Right. Uh, we are missing a lot of the food scene, though, out in that out in the Garden State. We need some good restaurants out there. Well, maybe Roberta's will open a branch out in Jersey. But meanwhile, we can grab a bite after this recording. It'd be great. I'd love to. Uh, so I have here 
a brief bio of yours, which I will I will share, um, even though I think we have to go back further because this begins in, I, I believe, 1999. Um, but here, just f- so listeners can get a, a, a feel of what you've done and how impressive um, your career has been, I will say, Joe's bio, which is, as a veteran of entertainment marketing, Joe brought his expertise to the Food Network as its executive vice president of live events for five years. He was instrumental in building the Food Network success by delivering its message via live events to every major city in the U.S. In 2004, Joe joined Share Our Strength. By developing national chef-related programs and culinary events, he has helped raise over $7 million to ensure that no child in America grows up hungry. He's enlisted the support and talent of the country's finest chefs and restaurateurs, including Thomas Keller, Bobby Flay, Kat Cora, Michelle Bernstein, and Michael Simon, and many, many more. I could go on and on. So your background, I'm starting here with the Food Network, but how did you get to the Food Network? Yeah, good question, Sherry. So think of the time. It was 1990. It was the mid-90s. I had a entertainment marketing company that I owned with a partner, uh, Rich Gore and myself, and he and I were very uh, stealth at bringing entertainment opportunities to corporate America, so we were very involved in the Hollywood studio business of product placement in movies, tie-in promotions with big studio releases, and we worked on all the films back then. Was that based in New York, where you were? Yes, we were based in New York. Okay. We were very, we were sort of the Madison Avenue approach to Hollywood. While a lot of the placement and marketing firms for Hollywood were in L.A., we, we, our point of difference was we were based here in New York. We felt that gave us that edge um, that we needed. And while we, while we worked on movies a lot, we also grew into the concert promotions and sponsorship business. So we worked with every concert promoter and every touring act that you could remember from from those days, and also were bringing them sponsorship and partnership opportunities like Visa and Paul McCartney. At, a number of those types of deals and venue deals with Pioneer Electronics and here locally with the Beacon Theater. Um, and again, we worked with all the concert promoters. So we, we, we basically were working movies and music and bringing corporate America to those uh, to those entities. What, what we saw happening actually, and this is pre-Food Network, uh, TV chefs uh, the P- on PBS were something that we identified as a sort of untapped market that could be promoted even a bit in a bigger way other than just their cookbook so from doing all the concerts and, and the movie promotions we realized that if we put chefs on stage and sold tickets uh we were already we were already selling sponsorships very well so we decided to to create our own cooking concert if you will so in 1995 we designed the great chefs of tv festival which were live touring events putting chefs on stage uh, selling sponsorship around them and selling tickets in, in, in the same way you would a rock concert. Um, and we had merchandising opportunities. And it, it was a wildly successful start right out of the gate, and we realized we had something there. We brought the Food Network in somewhere along our fifth, our fifth event just as a, a mere $5,000 sponsor. They were fledgling, wow. yeah, and it was small at the time. And we used some of their chefs on stage, and almost in a jokingly manner, we, we said to the owners at the time, who were, they were owned by Providence Journal way back, and there's, there's a book written about this, I'll get into that later, but um, they were, um, we said, you know, if you ever want to partner or, or talk about a bigger business, let's, let us, let's discuss it. A week later, they actually called us and said, we're, we're very interested in what you're doing, and we want to bring you into the network in a bigger way. So we created Food Network's first subsidiary called Chef Events, and uh, Rich and myself ran that for a number of years, and 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 
we were doing pro, uh, live events called Cooking Across America, and these were playing in all major markets, but Food Network had no brand recognition at the time. So we were actually, and they didn't have a marketing department. So we were its consumer marketing department. We were helping on the launch in sevens. We were helping bring advertisers to the Food Network. And while we were our own GNA and revenue generating operation for Food Network, we were serving a lot of purposes there and a lot of public relations for them as well. And then to cut this story short, uh, they eventually approached us and bought the company out whole. And then we ran uh, as 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 members of the of, of the senior staff of Food Network for for five years, and I was exe- exe- exec- executive vice president. And it was a lot of fun, and we helped r- build the Food Network back in those early days. Wow, I didn't know that story at all. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. So, who were some of the chefs, if you remember, that you initially were working with on these live events? Just back, curious. Sure. Yeah. You know, again, food, food, food network had, had, had just launched and their names were not household uh, recognizable names. So we were tapping into the PBS chefs a lot. So those were the, of course, we worked with Jacques Pepin, who, you know, to this day is still the, right. you know, one of the, the greatest uh, of all times, you know, uh, revered, I should say. And of course, there's Martin Yan and we worked with Marian Esposito, Nick Stellino, who's on PBS still. And there was there's a whole host of those PBS chefs that are either bigger or smaller, depending upon which market you go into. And we would uh, strategically select those chefs that we would promote. And the Food Network would throw in their talent for each event. So we, our very first event, we actually worked with David Rosengarten, who was you know, for a long time, a, a big, a big name on the Food Network, uh, and is very successful now doing his, you know, as a David Rosengarten brand. Yeah, I, I've been going to his new events. He's been doing some wine-related late-night industry events, that, and he has a mix of things. But yeah, he's someone I think back at, at the Food Network in the very beginning who was there and very successful. David is a great guy, and so then we would start to incorporate more and more Food Network celebrities as the Food Network grew. Because we started, they had, and I remember celebrating when they had 25 million subscribers. It was a big deal for us at the time. Um, you know, now they're in 100 million homes. They're saturated. There's no, you know, they're, they're in every home in the country, practically, I think. And uh, so it was, though, at the time, at one point, the Emerald Network, as everybody knows, Emerald Goss was the name. Right. They didn't really even know the Food Network name. Sometimes they just knew it. And, of course, it was TV Food Network back then. But uh, Emerald was the name that everybody recognized. And when we put him on tour, it was a big deal. Uh, we sold out really quickly, and but we were. Should I give a bam? You could give a bam. We should bam. bam. <laughs> <laughs> and you uh, have to, right? It was great. Robin Leach at the time was our was our MC, and Bill Box. These are some great names from the. I remember all these names from the days, and Sarah Malton was there, and then we started to use Bobby Flay more and more, and Alton Brown and Tyler, and 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 you know, and we you know, when we grew it from there, and it became very very successful, and then it 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 sort of kind of we felt it, it, it had kind of outgrown its need at the time because then the food food network grew so large that it was a nice to have i don't think it was a necessity at, at, at any at any point at a certain point i should say and uh and and we kind of went our own ways and um and it was but it was a great time period and and uh we're written about in the book that alan sorkin had released recently called sulkin right sulkin. sorry yeah. yeah well i'm bad with names i'm surprised <laughs> i, I was- even remember my own I'm I'm much better with faces than names myself. But I went to the I went to the book party he had, and I bought the book, and now I just have to read it. But I I would I need to find the time to read it. Um, I'm I, I see his little tidbits he puts up on Twitter, and 
they're all so fascinating, these behind-the-scenes stories. True. Yeah, it's amazing how many great stories there were. And his interviews were so long with me that, uh, you know, he, I think he was looking for a little bit more dirt than, than I, I was. I'm close to the vest. I didn't want to, you know, there's a lot of great stories, but it's a lot of personal stories. So um, I thought they, somebody should remain personal. So he and I stuck to business. And I, I thought he wrote a tremendous book, and I'm sure he's going to do really well with it. Um Really, after Food Network, uh, I think you'll find this interesting. Um, I thought that it was a, a time and a place where chefs could leave the TV world and take the live stage as a new format. And I designed, created, and executive produced a show called Chef's Theater, a musical feast. And it ran on Broadway. I had, I had some partners that were from the Broadway world that had done Ragtime and Showboat and a bunch of other great hits. And uh, we created a musical using chefs as a centerpiece on stage. I and remember that. I didn't go to the show, but I remember reading about it. I uh, should have gone. You should have called it. We would have taken care of you. Then. <sighs> I didn't know you then. <laughs> but your next, your next project, whatever it is, I will certainly be there I always. You're, you're VIP every time. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, and that was a great opportunity to show to showcase chefs and their live performance and, and in a live environment. Because even though it's semi-scripted, we had... Real legit Broadway singers and dancers built around and live music, original songs that were, were written for it um, uh, with a great team. Um, uh, Casey Nicola, who was our uh, choreographer, he went on to, he's like the best director on Broadway right now. He won, you know, uh, uh, Tony's for uh, Spam a Lot and uh, a Drowsy Chaperone, and he's done a lot of great things since Chef's Theater. So uh, we had a great cast and, and a great crew, and Tyler Florence was our opening act. We worked with Todd English, with David Burke. Uh, you know, we had we had some really great names that we put on stage, and we actually asked each one of them to sing a song. So if you can imagine, um, Todd English is you, you, right after he gets done cooking, and then he breaks into a song. There's there's no what is that song he did? Is uh, I don't know. Is it on YouTube? Uh, can we find this somewhere? I, it, you know, it was a little bit. <laughs> They weren't able to film it back then, so we wow. well, unfortunately we don't have a copy of it. But uh, yeah, wow. and he had a good voice. I'm not surprised. I don't know why I'm not surprised, but I'm not. Yeah, it was but. great. You're nobody till somebody loves you. That's the song ah. he sang. And if you see him, ask him if he'll do it for you. <laughs> I will look for him just so I can uh, get him to sing for me. Uh, so, all right, we're going to take a break here. And when we get back, we are going to dive into share our strength and how chefs and restaurateurs can get involved in the organization. So you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. You are listening to Baby Boys Blues by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network dot O-R-G.
Hi, welcome back. This is Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm here today. My guest is Joe Allegro of Share a Strength, and we're going to... We were just talking about Joe's background, and now we're going to dive into uh, how did you get involved with Share a Strength? I know you joined in 2004 with the company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... It, it would make sense. It, it, what, what, what had happened was when, when, when I had designed this theater Broadway show with chefs. It was very much a part of the opening night. We named Share Strength as the recipient of the, uh, of, the of, of, of the gala, of the opening night gala. And um, when the show had run its course, it was, it was a limited engagement. Um, uh, I was thinking what, what, what I was going to do next and how it would have, how, where I was going to evolve to uh, within the culinary community. And um, I've been talking to Share Strength and their needs at the time. Um, so we had continued these conversations and to a point where, you know, I went down to Washington where they're headquartered and, uh, we, uh, they, they brought me on board as a, you know, as, as an expert in the field of culinary, culinary relationships, fundraising, special events. And so I kind of didn't have an official title so much as I was out there doing a lot for the organization, but on right. an official basis, not as a volunteer. And um, and that and, and that was in, and that started in two thousand and four. And then I created a platform, which I thought was really you know kind of this cool upscale, intimate environment using chefs. And so we called it a tasteful pursuit, which was the name of the series. It was a, these were dinner series around the country. So we would have a prominent host restaurant in each city hosting, and then inviting the guest chefs, a couple from local and a couple from out of town. So how did you go about finding chefs and restaurants around the country to host? It's it's phenomenal this industry that we're in. We're really fortunate to be in it. Chefs are, are amazing. You know, they're they're talented, they're a little bit rogue, they're they're artists, they're businessmen, they're a little bit of everything and what they also are are very philanthropic without them even, you know, using that word, you know, they're, they're just giving and, uh, it's part of the culture. So if I would approach a chef, which I most of the time knew, or even if I didn't know them and I just called and I thought, Hey, you know, I, I know you've got the greatest restaurant here in this city. Uh, it's been talked about a lot. I, I don't know if you've done anything with share strength, but we'd be honored if you would host a dinner for us. And this is what we're looking for. And, um, more than nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, it was a yes. I'd love to do it. I'd be honored, you know. And um, and then we would build the chef team with the host uh, restaurateur uh, or a chef, and they were they were basically the architect of the dinner and who they wanted to invite. Or we would want to engage new chefs, and we would ask them if we could invite you know X Y Z chef to come to his dinner. So along the way, we've worked with you know Charlie Palmer's, Daniel Belus, and all. All level, but but most mostly high level, but um, very high level. I I I think your lineup has always been very impressive, and I know I name any city in the U.S. and you pretty much can tell me, yeah, I know a chef there, and we did a dinner there, and he's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all great, and it's it's it what so so if you go to Dallas, Stephen Piles has been with Cheryl Strength. Now a lot of a lot of the chefs were with have relationships with Cheryl Strength prior to me being there. So I'm there 10 years, but organizations over 25, 28 years now. And uh, Stephen Piles, who 
may or may not be a household name here in New York with the general public. He certainly is in the culinary community, but uh, so he was a, he's been around for a long time with Cheryl Strength as a supporter uh, when he was even in Denver and then moved to Dallas. Uh, but uh, so this is kind of the way it works, you know. Then he took five or six years away from Cheryl Strength, just kind of doing his own thing or finding his own you know new style, a new restaurant he was going to open. And then I approached him and got him back involved. And right now he's doing you know now he's like seven years in a row of doing dinners with us again and. Uh, so this Tasteful Pursuits dinner series really sh- became a property that we were able to sell as a, as a partner. Now we were able to bring in corporate partners because it was more than just a one-off in one city. So now it had uh, marketing opportunities and promotional opportunities benefits for a sponsor. So we brought in Lexus. They sponsored it. Uh, Co-Brown, you know, We brought in Brown Foreman. So it was a great opportunity for us to build not just fundraising opportunities but also develop corporate relationships. And then while at the same time, cultivating donors who are very high-end because these are more intimate than the big platform that Share Strength is basically was known for only, which was Taste of the Nation, which is the, pre, you know, the, the, the preeminent uh, grazing tasting event in the country. I've always, I, I've been active in Taste of the Nation. I think it's, I, I mean, I've, I've always, that's the one I think I've, I've been myself most participatorian, if you could say. But and the dinners, usually the price tag on them is, is too high. But you're you're raising money, you're raising funds, and people are willing to pay for these mm-hmm. these chefs and dinners because you put together this. Uh, the lineup is always so so stellar uh, that you have these relationships is really impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I, and and that's what we try to. That's what the organization try, try, tries to do. It tries to tap into now all different demographics across the U.S. And uh, that being – so the dinners, which are now called No Kid Hungry Dinners, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but between the dinners and Taste of the Nation, the dinners were very high-end and intimate. Taste of the Nation is more 50 restaurants under one roof with all the sampling and you know live auction, all the activity going on and live music. Which and also has an amazing lineup of, of chefs and restaurants participating. Truly, one of usually the top 50 in each city. Uh, but it's just not sit down. It's not white gloves. It's a different you know? experience. It's a different experience, exactly. And then, then we have Bake Sale, the Great American Bake Sale, which is what you would think across the country. And we raise millions that way. And uh, the Great American Dine Out, which then participates with the Olive Gardens of the World and those types of TGIFs and those and Joe's Crab Shack, and so that level, casual dining level, is now also involved, and that has actually become one of our largest uh, fundraising platforms. Oh, interesting! Yeah. Along with corporate donors and individual donors, and that, so that's and that's the machine that runs Share of Strength, which leads me to it's. No Kid Hungry platform, what is the national cry for, you know, solving hunger and connecting kids to nutritious uh, feeding programs that are already available in this country. So Share Strength's goal is to end childhood hunger in the United States. And it's it's a tremendous uh, effort that you're making. And I just, while I, I'm thinking about it, we sh- I should point out that the website, if you want to, anyone wants to l- listen, uh, learn more about Share Strength, you should go to, it's nokidhungry.org. So everything's kind of changed to the No Kid Hungry mission, which makes sense. Correct. And we've been able to leverage that in a great way as Share Our Strength's name is known as now the back of the house that operates all of these different platforms. No Kid Hungry is our is our sounding cry to, to the country. Like, let's just help these kids that are in need. And we've enlisted, you know, Jeff Bridges is our Hollywood spokesperson. We've got 
you're just great. You know, all uh, uh, Tom Vilsack, who's the Secretary of, uh, of Agriculture for you know, under the Obama administration, has been a big supporter of ours. Governor O'Malley in in in, in Maryland uh, has backed us, and we've we've con- we have proven in certain states, Maryland being one of them, and, and and there are a number of others, that we can actually end childhood hunger in those states just by connecting kids and getting them access to to the feeding programs that are existing. Great. I was going to ask you, for any chefs or restaurateurs out there who would like to get more involved and share strength, how would you suggest they do that if they're not someone you're already reaching out to and doing a dinner or involved in an event? What's a good way to get involved? Well, they could call me or they could just go on the call website. Call Joe, everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they go, they'll, they'll go on the website and it directs them to okay. in, in any way, shape, or form in, in a multitude of manners and which way you might want to get involved if it's straight donation or if it's a lending hand or if you want to be a volunteer chef or if you want to be involved in our uh, cooking matters program, which is a nutrition and education program, which is huge for us. And it it, it, it cements what we're all about. It's not just ending childhood hunger, but it's also helping families who are in poverty and uh, how, to, how to cook on a budget and make nutritious foods for their kids and families. Terrific. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. All right. So we're going to take another short break. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. Well, Miss Louise, can't you understand? You are listening to Miss Louise by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Stay tuned for more from All in the Industry. So get back, get back, get back to your broken home. Whoa, Miss Louise, why can't you see? Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. You know, there's no more telling aspect, no more revealing virtue of a group of people having evolved in a lovely way than how they feed themselves, how they entertain, how they put food on the table, what they put on the table. Heritage Radio Network provides the clearest evidence that there's hope for us yet. Heritage Radio's like Fairway Market in that we both care deeply about what you're having for dinner tonight. Heritage Radio Network is not just about food, though. Every time I tune in, I learn something about things other than food, too. Architecture, design, stuff like that. But from where I stand, I still say, if you can't eat it, what's the point? For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Welcome back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and I'm here. My guest today is Joe Allegro of Share of Strength. So now we're going to do a little speed round. I don't know if you'd call it a game, but I hope it's fun. It's just I'm going to ask, say, a few. Are you nervous? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> very nervous. Go it's, ahead. Is this, this like is Family it, Feud? It's just. Like we have the, we already know which the, the best answer is. I don't is. really know what to call it besides a speed round. There's no right or wrong answer. Okay. It's basically either or uh, topics I will give you, and you just tell me, just name the one that that either mm-hmm. you favorite or mm-hmm. or your reaction or Fine. whatever. So Wash, we'll, we'll see. Kind of like I'm going to say like chocolate or vanilla. Right. So gotcha. There's no right or wrong. Or you could say strawberry. Okay. It's not on the list though. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Eat in or eat out. Definitely eat out. East Coast or West Coast? Definitely East Coast. These are easy so far, Sherry. I love this. 
How about silent auction or live auction? Live auction. I knew that was the answer, yeah, too. It's the energy. There's nothing better. And our good friend Billy Harris, who does a lot of work with us, um, you know, a little a celebrity in his own right, and he'll, he'll always remind you of that. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's done a lot of events with us, but it's a lot of fun to see when an auctioneer can tell jokes and keep it moving and get it and nail it and raise the money. It's, it's, it's a great energy. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, Billy's great. And, and actually, I'll... I'll jump ahead. Just my last one was Billy Harris or Billy Harris. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because because he, he's, he does, um, I don't, you have to see him in action, but he's so good as an auctioneer and host. And he does most, or all of your share of strength events. I, he seems to be on the plane every other day. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know Billy, he's, he's a wonderful guy. And also, for I have to say this because it's true, uh, for three years or more, he donated his time to to our organization, and now, of course, we're able to you know take care of him. And uh, and, and, and even even still, it's still not not what what you know someone who does so much as much for us uh, should be getting. But he's grateful for for what for our relationship too, and that's it's, he's a great individual. Talks a lot, but he's a great individual. Anyway, enough about. Well, Billy. that's why he's a good auctioneer, right? Exactly. He has to he has to be able to be very quick. Uh, so okay. A few more of the speed round here. We'll go back. Wine, beer, or cocktail? They they switch, and I will say that <laughs> and for those who care, um, speed wine, round, Joe. Wine Not is long answers. wine is on the bottom of the barrel for me right now, and I'm going to go beer, and then spirits is number one. All right, here's to the spirits. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte, absolutely. S- we're we're tasting menued out. Yeah, that seems to be a lot of people's opinion these days. All right, a few more. Food Network or Cooking Channel? Thai? Food Food Network still, yeah. Mm -hmm. Top Chef or Iron Chef? Top Chef. Chef owners or host owners? Chef owners. Well, for the listening audience, you might want to describe what a well, host owner is. Well, a host, I think, sorry there, I lost my headphones. Um, a host owner, I've been working with Le Perigord, uh, this classic French restaurant that's going to be 50 years old next year. And it's back then when they started, George Burgot, he was the host, he was the owner. And that was more of the what was common with places like the Cirque. So now it seems there's much more chef owners where, where back 50 years ago it was opposite. So a host owner is just someone who's the owner, but not, mm-hmm. not in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great, great. It's a really an awesome question. It shouldn't be part of a speed round. It should be an entire show for you. All right. Well, I'll see if I can get another show, but for now, which do you prefer? Or, well, I, I have so it's many, sh- it's not even a prefer. It's just that we have so many chef friends who own their own restaurants right now. And then there are right. silent partners involved with those folks. But boy, there is really something cool about the classic cereal of, you know, of, of Le Cirque. It's and and, and there, I, I just sentimentally, I'm going on. The, I'm going with them. All right. I'm old New York. Fabulous. Well, that's my last. My last uh, speed round is New York or New Jersey. <laughs> the Hudson River, right in between. <laughs> well, thanks for playing. You did great. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> All right. Now we're gonna we're gonna do some industry news of the week, which just uh, a few hot topics. One was the uh, there was the Women in Whites Gala on 
this past Friday, which was James Beard Foundation event. Did you go? I did not go, but I, I know it was very successful. They raised uh, close to a half a million dollars just in the live auction alone. They had a lot of a lot of wealthy people in the room and supporters, and I heard it was fabulous. Yeah, I did too, and I think Billy did the the auction. He did, yeah. And Susan Ungaro is doing an amazing job and continues to elevate James Beard to you know levels beyond anybody's belief at this point. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm a big fan of everything James Beard Foundation does. Yes. And the timing of that, I know they had been working on it for, for months, but it was interesting because the week before uh, this Time Magazine article came out on the gods of food, which struck up a lot of people's uh, opinions on, you know, because no women chefs were included in the article. And uh, so this was an event just of, of the women in whites. So the timing, mm-hmm. I think it, it almost it almost seemed like they planned it off of the Time Magazine article to... to to say, hey, what about the women? Um, I don't know. I was a little surprised that the article raised so much controversy because it's it is one article, but it, then I see the other side. It's Time Magazine, and it's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. internationally read. Women in, in culinary is bigger and bigger and bigger every day, and it's and, and and it should be you know as 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 it cross as it, as it intersects with media and TV and all kinds of other offshoots uh, you can you, you know we, we find that it people are looking at culinary now not just as opening a restaurant being a cook in the kitchen but that should never that should always be the primary if you're anything if you're anything less than that then you don't deserve to get to any other level and that's always that's you got to stay true to the craft and the art before you can get to anything else so what but I think that you'll a lot more women are in, are, are, are I actually Michael Simon, uh, we did a dinner a long time ago, and it was maybe not a long time, but about six years ago, and we had a uh, chef-only, a women's chef-only dinner, and he was the only male chef. And uh, That's cool. we invited Michelle Bernstein, Anita Lowe, Tracy Desjardins. You know, we had uh, uh, April Bloomfield. We had some great chefs, uh, Corinne from uh, from a vet out in from uh, in Chicago, and. So it was all these great women chefs, and uh, oh, and Selena Teo. I can't believe I remembered every single chef that was there that night. I'm and impressed. Awesome, and and it just goes to show you that, and that was six years ago, and they were underserved then. They're coming. They're it's starting to become more and more commonplace. But let's face it, there were not a lot of women chefs in the business back then. It was a it was a rugged scene in the kitchen, and they didn't want to be part of it. A few did, but it was yeah. not easy. I I I think so now too that. I was just, you know, I was thinking about this and I was looking at my client list. I've, you know, I've been doing PR on my own for 10 years and I haven't really had many women chefs I've worked with. And it's not that I, I would love to represent them. I just feel the industry is more dominated by men uh, still. I, I just, I think there's just more men in the industry and maybe, maybe I'm wrong and I'm not looking for them, but then again, I'm involved in La Dame Escoffier. I was the president of the Women's Culinary Alliance. I'm certainly pro-woman, but it just seems, I was looking at my list, and I'm like, there's barely any women uh, that I've worked with, chefs and owners. I so, think it's, like I said, I think it's going to change. You're going to see that, that paradigm shift. And then I also think that, look in your industry, Sherry, <laughs> it's all women. Well, that, I was going to say that I go to a PR seminar, and it's, 99% women and one male. Exactly. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting business because as a whole, I even see this at, on the nonprofit level, 75, 85% women are supporting the culinary business. You know, you do have the chefs that are predominantly male still, 
but the the balance is starting to change a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll we'll have to continue have this discussion again in five years and see where we're at. Let's see where we're at, and then let's see where we're at in the PR field and see if you guys are hiring more men. I don't know you. You can <laughs> you can come over to to our side, <laughs> join join the PR people of, of the world, and um, you have make the hardest the you have the hardest job in America in the in the restaurant business because oh thank you <laughs> it, it's true I mean you know figure it as a restaurant you know oh you got a great placement in, in in Time Magazine this week and then the following week well hello what did you do for me this week you never. They never let it's you hard. Off the hook. You, you can't guarantee anything. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you, you. Well, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I want to say for your point, you have a lot of clients, and it's hard to juggle the um, everybody's needs. It's like having ten kids. I always say that's my analogy that I'm a juggler. It's like all these balls keeping them all in the air. Mm-hmm. Can't let any of them drop. No, no, and you're only as good as your <laughs> last placement. <laughs> I know. Right. Well, enough about me. Uh, so, okay, my last topic I had, uh, it's actually really sad news, and I saw it on Twitter, which I'm on when, you know, during the day, and it was news that Charlie Trotter passed away, and I was really in shock when I saw it. Uh, I worked for Trotters in 97 and 98, and it's still, uh, I, I did you know that? No. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, it's still the probably the the hardest job and the most influential chef I've ever worked with uh, since, and it's been a long time. But I value that experience so much. And when I saw the news, I was just I couldn't believe it. I mean, he was fifty four, and he influenced so many people. He was really a culinary master and a pioneer. I mean, back then mm. he had his vegetable tasting menus. Mm-hmm. Like, nowadays. It, it's more common, but in 1997, and even he, that was, I was there when he was at his 10 year mark. So, uh, I just, I'm really saddened by the news and, uh, my condolences to his family and friends. And I just, you know, I'll always value the experience I had working for him and, and just knowing him. That's awesome. That's and well said too. And he was influential. Uh, even if, even if one did not work with him, he was just influential because, he had fine dining before, you know. It even had a, a strong category name to it, and 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 he he owned, basically owned Chicago for a long time. And when you thought of Chicago, all you thought of was Charlie Trotter, and it became well. Now, of course, you, we can list ten chefs and three, you know, right off the top of our heads that are. And a few of them, big. they came from Trotters, though. I mean, Grand Ackett's worked for Charlie Trotter. Um, I'm gonna Matthias Murgis. I think I'm saying his name right. He was there when I was there. He was there for like 14 years, and now he has a few restaurants in Chicago. There's, a, there's right a lot of chefs can know. connect their lineage back to Charlie, and 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 and, and the fact that he died so young also is it takes the industry, uh, you know, additionally incredibly hard because that's he's he was the icon. He's up there. He's with you know he's with those those great iconic chefs that that we know of that are. Uh, they should still be around now. Charlie was, re, you know, did get out of the restaurant business, you know, an intellectual, uh, an influencer, you know, and uh, and and certainly, you know, sort of marched to his own drum in a way. Uh, but it was very incredibly respected um, as, as a chef and as a as a restaurant operator. So, yeah, we lost a we lost a great one. Yeah, we did. Okay, on that sad note, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and we'll wrap things up. I have my solo dining 
experience of the week and uh, just a few last words with my guest, Joe Allegro. And you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. You are listening to Rain by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network.org. This is Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. All right, so now's the time I'm going to give you uh, my solo dining experience of the week. As people who, who know me or maybe follow me on Twitter would know, I, I actually dine out quite a bit by myself. I travel by myself, too. And um, people think it's strange, especially because I'm a woman. Uh, I don't. I, I feel I... I'm always interested in trying new restaurants. It's not easy to make plans with people every day of the week. So I venture out on my own. And so I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't, it's weird to say I'm passionate about it, but I guess I am. So I want to share uh, this past week, my dining adventure was, I was uh, in Midtown East. I had finished a meeting and um, I'm normally not in that neighborhood. And so I brainstormed a bit and I, I remembered Aburia Kinosuke, if I'm saying the name correct, and it's on East 45th Street between 2nd and 3rd, and it had been on my list for a long time. It's a Japanese restaurant, and so I popped in, and I was able to get a seat at the counter, and which to me, this is my tip. If you're solo, go eat at the counter or the bar, because two things, it's it's... It's an experience you get to, you're instantly inter- entertained. I was watching the sashimi chef right in front of me make, make my dinner and everyone else's. And it was, it was quite fascinating, especially because I am such a food person. And second, it's social. You'll meet people. You can stir up a conversation with people around you. And you won't feel like you're dining alone as much. <laughs> so I, I highly recommend people, don't be afraid to go out eat by yourself, and if you go early and you go by yourself, and even if it's a hot restaurant, you're most likely to get in because you're solo and they can usually find a seat for one person. So that's that. And we're going to wrap up here. My guest today has been Mr. Joe Allegro of Share Strength, and I wanted to see if you had any final thoughts, comments? Uh, Sherry, I just have to thank you for, for, for you know, offering me this opportunity to talk about the industry and from my perspective and because I come at it not from a chef uh, and, and not originally from the business, more from entertainment and uh, how the I saw the actual merger of the entertainment world and the chef world come together. And I think that, you know, it is very, very much now one in the same. And you really did. You were, I would say, a pioneer of that combination. Yeah. 
back in the day, we had, again, it was just so, it was all, Food Network startup, we had no budgets, everything had to run, you know, and, and, and lean, mean, and, and get it done, and get chefs in the kitchen, and get them on TV, and somehow make that miracle happen. Well, you did a fabulous job, and I'm so excited for you to be here, and to make the trek from Jersey to Brooklyn, just, <laughs> just for, for this. I would only do it for you. No, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. And always, always love spending time with you. So the last part of my show is, now this is a pilot, so I'm not exactly sure who my next guest is, but I would like you, if you could, it's most likely going to be a food or beverage consultant. And so I'd like if you could propose a question to that person, something you would Mm -hmm. like to know, and then I will be asking them that on my next show to kind of tie this series together. I think the the a question that comes to mind always when is, when we have chefs who are owners, do they how is how do they ensure that the quality of the menu items are as great as they are in the restaurant that they're actually working in? So when they open up their second and third and fourth places, I've heard chefs in the industry themselves say the quality goes down; it's almost impossible to keep it up. But how do they, but no one really is talking about that or is going to broadcast that too loudly. So my question to you, to, to that guest would be, is it a good thing for a chef to expand too big? It's, it, you, you almost have to do it if the opportunity is there. But it, can you actually keep it con- constrained and, and, and keep your empire to within reach? I know one restaurateur up in the east side, Upper East Side and all of his restaurants, three or four of them are just like within stone's throw of each other. So that is the question. How do you maintain quality when you have quantity if you're a chef? Great question. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming out here today and joining me on this on this episode of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. A special thanks also to producers Jack Insley and Aaron Fairbanks and to all of you out there listening. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.